0: Hello and welcome to the Encouragement Expert Podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Let's join Pastor Wes Doffenbaugh with today's encouraging word titled, Remodel Your Prayer Life. Praise the Lord. It's a delight to be with you today. I love each one of you. God bless you. Uh, in Jesus' name, of course. I want to speak on the subject, Remodel Your Prayer Life. Now, I think I know something about prayer. I've taught on prayer and sold books on prayer in all 50 states. And of course, I've prayed a lot in my life and uh, would typically pray maybe an hour a day. But I have found a new passion and enthusiasm and a great new determination to improve my prayer life. And frankly, my prayer life needed improvement. It just simply wasn't the best that it could be. Now it's possible to get used to a prayer life that's out of date and continue to live without the power, the answers and the guidance and the fellowship with God that are available through a really good prayer life. You live in in a house or an apartment and you either have one or you've seen houses that are in need of a facelift. Uh, The carpet is still there but it's worn and ugly. The cupboards in the kitchen still work but they need to be resurfaced or replaced countertops may be starting to lift off, paint and decorations may just have that old worn-out look, and yet it's easier just to put up with the old and familiar, even if it's not producing the joy and brightness that it could, and it's easier because doing something about it would take a plan, an effort, and would cost something. Now, in the same way, we think we're people of prayer but often our prayer life has had no new improvement for a long time. We may have even slipped back to some degree towards less prayer, less effective prayer, and less motivation to pray. First of all, why should you and I remodel our prayer lives? Well, if we remodel our prayer lives, we'll be remodeling our very lives. Now, without a burning why, we won't make the effort, pay the price, get the plan, and work the plan. So I want to talk about my why for a minute. I have written a book, worked on it for months, now have 54 drawings that are almost finished. They are paid for. I fasted one day and felt that God wanted me to personally invest in the project, so I'm putting in uh, $1,800 from a retirement fund of mine, which finishes the cost of of the artwork, and now I face the daunting problem of setup costs and printing costs. I'm assuming, since God gave me the book, told me to write it, that uh, He has a plan to fund it. And I need to find that plan. But even uh, even more important, I need a successful marketing plan. Just printing books isn't enough. They have to get into people's hands. People have to know about them. So I faced the daunting problem of earning a living through speaking in churches in a time when many churches never bring in guest speakers anymore. If they do, it's usually a missionary. And churches have fewer services. More than just my needs for finance, I want to bring God massive glory. And years ago, God told me five ways to bring him glory, then add them together and you'd get massive glory for God. So the five ways basic glory is brought to God through a life of love and kindness, manifesting the fruits of the Spirit at all times. Added glory comes when we win somebody to Jesus multiplied glory comes by training leaders becoming a leader and encouraging existing leaders great glory comes by opening doors for god in prayer so he can come into human situations and bring heaven's will to pass and when we open doors through prayer uh, he can come through those doors and do the really great things we could never do And then compound interest glory is brought to God by constant faithfulness over a lifetime. If we combine these five ways, our lives should bring God massive glory. Now, the devil fights against me to hinder or prevent me from actually bringing God massive glory. I need more power. I desire to have my books and curriculums taught in hundreds of churches, my books in other languages, more gifts of the Spirit manifested in my life. Another part of my why is that I was promised prophetically that God was going to give me a priestly garment and allow me to spend more time with him so that I wouldn't have to work so hard. (laughs) Well, I'm not afraid of hard work, but I like the idea of spending more time with God. And then the why Why remodel my prayer life involves my family members. I want to see everyone in my family get to heaven and while they are on earth, I want them to know God and be used of God so that they can fulfill their God-given identity. My why reasons are my motivation to remodel my prayer life. You've heard the uh, ad, of course, for the credit card, what's in your wallet, right? Famous advertisement. What's your why? Why should you improve your prayer life? Have you got lost loved ones? Are you suffering sickness? Are you in financial stress? Do you fear the future? We ought to all be praying a whole bunch uh, that God would show us the future and what to do about it. I sense tremendous, tremendous catastrophic difficulties ahead in the nation. We should pray because we desire God's presence. That's reason enough. It would be a good idea now to carefully identify your why in all its parts. My first point, remodel the time you spend seeking God in prayer. I've been reading a wonderful book and its title is simple. It's called Prayer by Young Yi Cho, who for a generation has been the pastor of the world's largest church in Seoul, Korea. And he also has a great international ministry. Now, he's older than me, but still gets up at 5 a.m. every morning and prays for three hours. Now, no one would have more excuses for being busy than he, uh, but he found he could just not do what he's called to do without spending a lot of time with God. It's in those prayer times that uh, God hears his prayer and God speaks to him. Well, whenever God speaks, God virtually serves your faith on a platter you get the revelation of his will and it's easy then to believe him for miracles so his church has all night prayer meetings every friday night i think every morning of the week they have early morning prayer meetings and uh then they have prayer mountain which is uh 50 60 miles from their church but it's just a big retreat center where thousands go all the time continually to fast and pray and uh, so there's more prayer going up from that area of Korea than any place on the earth. Now my old prayer life involved praying in bed. I've always liked to wake up early and pray in tongues for quite a while. Uh, Sometimes for hours if I'm going through great difficulties because of... uh, oh, I've been in car wrecks and tractor wrecks, and it just bothers me when I kneel to pray. My back starts bothering me after just a few minutes. So I have to walk and pray, sit and pray, or lay on the bed and pray. However, praying in bed isn't working very good for me anymore. It needs to be remodeled. I used to be able to just uh, lay there and pray for an hour or two, but uh, lately I've been you know, more prone to get groggy or go back to sleep and uh so the first thing that i remodel is this i i'm setting an alarm i've been setting it at 5:30, and and uh but i'm gonna change it to five um but anyway that's been working i'd get up make a cup of coffee and sit at the table or a couch with that coffee and then just uh, I've been reading the Bible. Uh, the Passion translation is just a wonderful translation, and uh, I've been reading that with a notepad and you know making notes. Maybe I read the Bible for about an hour, meditating that way, and then I pray through my prayer lists. And uh, when I've prayed through all those things I'm believing God for, then I I pray for the things I'm believing to open a door for God in prayer. I pray about the southern border problem. I pray about justice, coming back to the Justice Department, and, uh, and things of that nature, praying for our nation, and then for other nations in the world that there'll be a, a great revival. Now, Pastor Cho goes to bed real early so he can get up early, and there's just no way you can get up early in prayer. If you, if you don't go to bed early, you can't get up early. So by going to bed early, you prioritize prayer as the most important thing in your life. And really, it's the, it's the most pleasurable, comforting, hopeful, encouraging thing. When you have a really great prayer time in the morning, uh, you feel like you and God are going to conquer the world together. So uh, you see, if you get up early and pray in that quiet time, that's before the activities of the day heats up. You remember the manna that fell in the Old Testament would melt when the sun got hot, and so they had to gather their manna early. Well, in the same way, your spiritual manna sort of evaporates when the activities of the day heats up. Now, I've always known that, uh, but I tell you what, it's, its my remodeled prayer time is working great when I set the alarm and I'm determined to get up and uh, coffee is helpful, <laughs> and uh, but instead of laying in bed, I'm uh, I'm really having wonderful devotions with the Lord. Now I haven't found a church locally that has all-night uh, prayer meetings, but if I can, I will attend corporate prayer meetings as well as my early morning times. The reason to be involved in corporate prayer meetings is that exponential increases result when people pray together and are unified in the Spirit. In the Old Testament, God said that one could put a 1,000 to flight, but two could put 10,000 to flight, Deuteronomy 32:30. 30. And in the New Testament, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask... It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Matthew 18, 18 and 19. Now, Pastor Cho says that binding evil forces on earth is more effective, more effectively done as a group. And he uses these verses to say that binding and loosing is best achieved in the context of group prayer because praying with two or three comes immediately after jesus speaking about binding and loosing now there's a personal guarantee of god's presence being manifested when we we're agreement with a, another believer what about just sitting in the lord's presence when you pray of course you can lay down on the floor on your face you can kneel you can just sit and talk to the lord and uh, that can be very effective now one prophetic man that i've known for years sent me a short Prophecy, it was several years ago, but uh, the Lord spoke to him and said, Mike, tell W.D., Wes Dauphin, in other words, that I haven't forgotten or forsaken him. I have always loved him and continue to love him even now. I have always enjoyed spending time with him, sometimes doing nothing but just quietly sitting with Wes. In fact, some of the sweetest times with Wes have been when we do nothing but sit together. Striving and struggling get in the way, unquote. Well, I've kept that in my computer uh, as a prophetic word, but it means more now than, than when I first received it uh, because I am getting up and sitting quietly with the Lord. And you don't have to wail or scream, or make it a huge striving effort, just get up and enjoy God. <laughs> get up and enjoy his word. Uh, go over the things you're believing God for. Make your long prayer list. And uh you know, in the in the book of Revelations, it says that the, the angels have incense to offer before the throne of God. And then, and it says the incense is the prayers of the saints. And then another verse, it says that the angels mix incense with the prayers of the saints. And as I meditate on that, I believe the Lord showed me that uh, incense is supposed to be very fragrant and sweet smelling. So uh, our prayers when we offer them to God, can just be fragrant. They're just good. If you pray good prayers, prayers God's going to like to hear, it's as fragrant as fragrant incense. But then the revealed will of God, the prophecies we get from the Holy Spirit and the revealed will of God in the Bible, that's also incense, and then we can mix our prayers with the revelation of the will of God. Now, um... God's going to enjoy spending time with you when you arise to seek him. If you sit with a cup of coffee to keep you awake, Jesus will be sitting there with you. Probably won't see him, but you will sense his presence. My second uh, way to remodel my prayer life is uh, remodel your prayer life with a violent determination. Now, Jesus said this kind of strange verse, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force, Matthew eleven twelve. 12. Now, there are various interpretations of what this means, but I have a new joy in this scripture. You know, when you get a new insight into something, something that you've read before never meant too much to you because you didn't really get it, and then suddenly you get it, and it means a lot. Well, I think this means that violent people persecute us. See, there's one kind of violence comes against us, but then we have our own kind of violence in our desire to possess the kingdom realities of god's presence and power so our own kind of violence is a good and spiritual kind and we need this kind of personal violence now when paul defended his apostleship he said that he served god in in weariness and painfulness in watchings often in hunger and thirst in fastings often in cold and nakedness that's Second Corinthians eleven twenty seven, the King James version. Now, what does it mean? He served God in watchings. That's where you have the all night prayer meetings. That's what that means. is that he prayed all night, and then of course he uh, he was treated violently in persecution, and imprisoned, and slandered, and threatened, and beaten sometimes, and all that. But he, you see, he had his own version of violence because he often pray all night and he'd often fast and he was just determined to see the violent take it by force so he was determined to lay claim to the fullness of the kingdom promises and God's presence and power in Korea Saturday is a work day for most people so when they pray they have their all night Friday night prayer meetings then they have to get up and go to work without a night's sleep and so that's an example of our spiritual kind of violence now you can use this when you start to fast and you start to get hungry your stomach's going to say I'm hungry I'm hungry I'm hungry you better eat something and you have to say to yourself I'm I'm violent today <laughs> I'm going to show some violence <laughs> and uh, and I'm not going to eat I'm going to fast and honor God and seek God See, if if you don't have that kind of violence, you don't seek God much. You don't fast much. You never uh, push yourself to stay up all night and pray. All right, so we suffer violent persecution, but we take the kingdom with forceful determination. Now, Pastor Cho quoted David, King David said, I will not sacrifice to the Lord what costs me nothing. And so when we are pushing ourselves to you know, to fast or to pray early, get up even when you're tired, set that alarm. Well, that costs you something, but that means it's a good, worthy sacrifice to the Lord. Now, Jesus himself suffered violence, but he also sought the Father with forceful determination, and he often got up early, very early to pray and went to a solitary place to pray. And sometimes the Bible says he prayed all night, such as the night before he chose his 12 apostles. You and I will have to decide if we want to take the kingdom in fullness by forceful, violent determination. You remember the story in Genesis where Jacob wrestled all night with an angel? Now, uh, he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What a strange scripture! I'm sure the angel could have body slammed him and struck him dead <laughs> but somehow somehow God allowed that angel just to wrestle with him and the and the Bible says that the, the angel couldn't overcome him and finally said let me go and he said I won't let you go until you bless me. Very strange scripture. But you see Jacob wasn't a sissy when it came to getting the Lord's full blessing. He he was uh, showing that good kind of spiritual violence. He was determined to save his family from destruction by Satan because that night that he prayed like that, prayed all night by wrestling with the angel, his brother was coming to meet him with 400 armed men. Esau had vowed to kill him years before. Now he was coming to meet him with an army and uh, Jacob was just determined that uh, he was going to get God's blessing and protection for his family. Now, we might be allowing ourselves to act and live uh, like weaklings when we could be taking the kingdom by force. So a remodeled prayer life should include some all-night prayer meetings. And Pastor Cho writes, It will take violent dedication to prayer to bring the power of God into our lives. The violent earnestness will be most evident in our discipline to pray. Power in prayer takes much time. For this reason, we must set priorities for our time. Uh, Many things will crowd around us to keep us from spending the time necessary for developing power in prayer. By God's grace, we're able to take the prize of power-packed prayer if we have the proper attitude. Now, my third point, a remodeled prayer life should increase in specifics. Answers to prayer can be delayed if they're too general for the Lord to answer. Well, I've known this for years, but things can come into sharper focus, and then you can suddenly realize, you know what, I bet a bunch of my prayers are delayed because I haven't been very specific. Now, Pastor Cho learned that as a young pastor when he lived in a slum. He was very poor. He owned nothing and he asked God for a table, a chair, and a bicycle, and almost nobody had any possessions where he lived. But as he prayed, he felt that God gave him the assurance that his prayer had been heard. And so he was rejoicing, believing that God had heard his prayer. But something like six months went by, and there was no delivery. And so he said, Lord, I, I know you heard my prayer, and I believe that I've received but I'd like to actually take possession of these things before I die. (laughs) The Holy Spirit spoke to him then and told him there were so many kinds of tables and many kinds of chairs and many kinds of bicycles and that his prayer was too general. And God told him the delivery could not be done until he told God more specifically just what he wanted. So he said, I want a table made of Philippine mahogany. I want a bicycle made in America with gears. I want an office chair with rollers. Well, it wasn't long before he was hired to help load a truck, and I believe that uh, it was someone related to an American missionary that was moving and needed the help. Three items would not fit onto the truck, and they were given to young Cho as his payment for helping load the truck. They were a table made of Philippine mahogany, a Schwinn bicycle made in America, and an office chair with rollers. And so... Pastor Cho is as specific as possible all these many years later and and always teaches everybody else. Now, have you ever tried to cut a tomato with a dull knife? Let's say you're trying to cut a tomato with a butter knife. Well, what a mess. But if you have a real sharp knife, it's so easy. Now, what if your requests are sort of dull? They haven't been sharpened with by being specific, they're just too general. And uh, God wants to receive the glory for the answer, but if we're too general, we might not even attribute the answer to God, and that would rob him of his glory, and it'd be dangerous for us to be ungrateful and not recognize his hand of blessing. So Jesus asks us, as he asked the blind men, what do you want me to do for you? And you should be specific they said lord we want to receive our sight all right that was specific so they got their sight now to remodel your prayer life in this way it's best to get a legal pad and a pen and start writing out your prayer requests i don't think many people are disciplined enough to write out prayer requests but i don't know how you could be real specific with them if you don't you, you want to write them out, look at them, and then say, now, did I just ask for a bicycle or did I ask for an, a bicycle made in America with gears? You follow follow me? You might have your, on your prayer, you might write down, bless my wife, bless my children, and God said, how am I going to do that? <laughs> That's not specific. Well, so you say, okay, uh, well then, fill my wife and children with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's Colossians 1.9. Now that's very specific. So it takes effort to make a long prayer list. And Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit much fruit means much answered prayer. And so prove to be my disciples. If you follow Jesus, your disciples, he always got his prayers answered. You'll prove that you're his disciple by your answered prayers. John 15, 7 and 8. Well, remember, before you can ask it, you must wish it. So write it down. Be as specific as possible. Now see, you might need a little violence to do that because just spiritual laziness doesn't write any prayer request down. Come on, not many people do, but not many people have a good prayer life. Then keep that list handy so you can go over it again and again and check off the answers and then so you can persist in praying for the ones that just don't manifest right away. Now, I've also recorded mine on a computer in case I lose the list and then I'm adding to it quite frequently. And a couple of years ago, I read John... 15 7 and 8 and the holy spirit beamed into me a conviction of righteousness see conviction doesn't have to be a conviction of sin it could be of righteousness or judgment and uh the conviction was you qualify i read that verse if you abide me my words abide you ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you well you qualify the holy spirit beamed into me and i thought hey i think i do qualify I'm going to ask whatever I wish. And so I wrote out almost 200 prayer requests that day and I've added to that list since. I have it on my computer. I keep the copies around and I've rejoiced to check off some marvelous answers. I needed to reprint two books, at 5,000 copies each and pay off $9,000 in ministry debt, get a new CD labeler. All of those things, I had no money, but I had a legal pad and a pen. I had a wish list. Now, see, what are you believing God for? You might say, but I don't have this and I don't have that. Have you got a pad and a pen? Can you make a wish list? You see, God said, you make the wish list and then ask it and then I'll do it. All right, so you could do that. And if you can't afford a legal pad and a pen, surely somebody in America will donate one to you. All right, and then ask God. Now, within weeks... Uh, the financial supply came in the form of a check. I opened a mail, and there was a check for $21,544.19, or $564.19, I believe. Now, a, a lady partner had evidently written us in her will, but I didn't know it, so that was a total surprise. Now, maybe you don't have answers, but you too can get that pen and tablet and write down specific prayer requests sharply defined, and God can answer specific requests. So remember, the greatest reason prayers aren't answered is that they are not prayed. James said in chapter 4, verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask. Now, the fourth way to remodel your prayer life, remodel your prayer life uh, to, to do that it should have an increase in thanksgiving paul wrote be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life let joy overflow for you are united with the anointed one let gentleness be seen in every relationship for our lord is very near don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing be saturated in prayer Throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude, tell him every detail of your life, then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. Now, that's the Passion Translation of Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Notice, present all your requests to God and then thank God that he's hearing and answering. Now, a tired old prayer life leaves out the thanksgiving and prayers sound more like a grumbling session or an express the fear session or maybe a pity party. So we might as well all say, wow, as we realize just how much we've neglected to thank God for the answers. We ask him for things. If we're believing that he's hearing, we should pray and then say, "Thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer." Oh, thank you for being a good God. Thank you that, you see, and don't you? Wouldn't you agree with me that most of the time we, the thanksgiving is not there. We pray the prayer. And we hope God just has pity on us because we moaned and groaned and whined, <laughs> and left out the thanksgiving. Well, if we believe we're receiving, let's. Let's remodel our prayer life and put that thanksgiving back in there in a big way. And Jesus said, "This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask in prayer. Be convinced that you have received it and it will be yours." Mark 11:25 Passion Translation. So if we believe we have received the answer, if we believe God has compassionately heard our prayers, then we should thank God with abundant thanksgiving. And this thanksgiving should continue throughout the day. And that drives away worry, fear, and unbelief. And since God responds to faith, but not to whining, let's remember that as we go over our petitions and prayer lists Uh, So we thank God for hearing, for loving us, for delivering us, for helping us, and for sending the answer. My fifth point, remodel your prayer life by actively seeking to find the answer God has sent. Actively seek, don't just ask. Now Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Years ago, a man named Don Cox taught me this statement. The miracle rarely comes to the desk where you're pounding your fist. God hears your prayer and parachutes the answer in. It usually lands in the bushes somewhere, so you have to go look and find it. So he taught us to pray and then to rejoice and thank God that our prayers are heard and then to go looking for the answer And he said that looking is the most fun part of prayer. Now, when we look expectantly, you see, it's an act of faith. It's a demonstration of faith. And it shows we believe that God has heard our prayers. Now, Don was just filled with stories about how the seeker finds. He'd always say that, the seeker finds. And he told of needing several thousand dollars for his television program, The Hour of Hope. He was a pioneer years ago when Christian television first started. And the program was going to be put off the air for lack of payment. And he prayed and he told his wife that he was going to go look for a miracle. And uh, he went walking, looking for money on the street. He was just believing God sent it and he's looking around everywhere. And as he walked he felt a hand go into his side coat pocket. He turned around to see who was there, but no one was there, and what was put in his pocket was a great big roll of money. And so as he walked along, a hand went in his other pocket, and he whirled around, but no one was there. So as he continued to walk forward, and it put another roll of money in his pocket. So the next time the hand went in, he grabbed the wrist, and as he whirled around, the invisible angel that was doing that the hand just slipped out he couldn't he, he's a big strong man It was anyway but uh, he couldn't uh, grip the angel's hand it just slipped out and he had run up and down the street looking in doorways but he knew that it was an angel when he grabbed the hand and uh, whirled around and yet it just slipped out so then he said he just walked in a daze and the angels repeatedly put tightly rolled up bills into his pockets and when he got home he took out the money and threw it on the table and it was rolled so tightly that it the rolls just exploded like when you'd cut open an insulation a roll of insulation you know how you cut it open and it poof it just air adds to it and it expands so money was rolling all over the table and off onto the floor and uh, his wife was just shocked she actually thought he must have robbed a bank <laughs> well <laughs> Don was just full of stories like that. And so that's one of the chapters in my book, Faith Concepts of Jesus, is that the seeker finds. But you know, it's easy, my friend, listen to me, it's easy to slip back into prayers that have no seek in them. Now, once when I had a skipping heart rate for 19 months, I prayed and asked God for some natural substance that would bring my heart into rhythm. And then I looked, I searched, I read, I went to health food stores, and I finally found... Noni juice, N-O-N-I, Noni juice. I drank a bottle, a 32-ounce bottle, in three days when I moved from Omaha, Nebraska, out to Chehalis, Washington. By the time I got there, my heart was in rhythm. That was in 1998. It's been in rhythm ever since, 21 years. Now, we should ask ourselves, is this a kind of prayer request that I can actively look for my miracle? I preached on faith in Brookville, Ohio years ago, and then two years later, I came back to that church to preach again, and and I had preached on faith, and I had uh, preached, uh, you got to look for your miracle. And so a lady ran up to me. She said, you got to hear my story. One night, I was out of dog food, and my work shoes were so worn out, I could not wear them another day. I needed a 50-pound sack of dog food, and I needed new shoes. My big old dog was out of food, so I prayed and told the Lord what I needed, and then I thanked him, and then she said, I got in my car and went looking for money, and I saw money blowing across a vacant lot. I got out and began to pick up the money, and a lady saw me and said, is that your money? And I said, no, so she picked up a bunch, but I got enough for a 50-pound sack of dog food and a pair of shoes, and Walmart was having a sale and had two pairs for the price of one, so I got two pairs of shoes. Now both of those stories are true and they should make us wonder how many miracles we miss because we didn't go looking for them. How many even most people would if they didn't have dog food would not pray, rejoice, get in the car and go looking for money. Most people wouldn't walk down the sidewalk looking for money believing that God has some miracle to, way to send it. Now, I don't know how you're going to look for When I looked for answers some natural substance that would bring my heart into rhythm, I I went to health food stores and I read books, but I, I looked. I believed that God had it for me. So check out your prayer list and see which ones can you show your active faith that you believe God sent it and it's out there somewhere and you're going to find it. Well, if you were praying for a job, for instance, then you'd want to certainly go looking you wouldn't want to just sit by the telephone and wait and so a remodeled prayer life would include a new seeking of god himself because we don't want to be satisfied with just an abundance of answers and things that we pray for to be really filled with joy and all that brings comfort satisfaction and life we'd need to find increasing fellowship with god So as we remodel our prayer lives, we should seek God himself. And the psalmist wrote, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Psalms 27, 8. So don't just tell God I need this and I need that, but also include, I need you, Lord. I want you, pleasing you, knowing you, being totally yours, abiding in you, becoming just like Jesus and one with you. These are the things that are the desires of my heart. Coach me to think right, desire right, and do right. I want to hear your instruction. My sixth point is remodel your prayer life with a new persistence. Now, Jesus said when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words, Matthew 6, 7. But Jesus also told about a widow who desired an unjust judge to give her justice, and he wouldn't give her any justice, so she kept asking him. She'd knock on his door every day. She'd be outside of his window. She probably hid inside of his closet when he came into his office. She jumped out. You know, Jesus said she just persisted until she wore him down, and he said, I don't fear God. I don't fear men, but this little lady's going to wear me out, so I'm going to give her justice, and then uh, Jesus used that illustration to say that we should pray and never stop or lose hope, and he ended that story by saying, did you hear what the ungodly judge said, that he would answer her persistent request? Don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? He will pour out his spirit upon them. He will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting, just like the widow with the judge. Yet when the Son of Man comes back, will he find this kind of persistent faithfulness in his people? Luke 18, 6 through 8, the Passion Translation. Now, vain repetitions are not the same thing as persistent prayers. And this is something we really need to realize because we might pray once or twice and then think, well, if I keep saying this prayer every day, it's just a vain repetition. But no... A vain repetition would be if somebody's like chanting and uh, you've heard maybe certain religions where they'll say the same phrase 50, 60, 100 times in one prayer. That's a vain repetition. But to uh, every day to say, Lord, I want you to reveal yourself to my family. I want you to invade our family. I want you to lead us all into truth, uh, fill us all with the knowledge of your will that would be a good uh, prayer to pray with great persistence because when you're praying for a person to have a major life change, there's great persistence that's needed. That prayer might not be answered right away. It might take a long time. And uh, E.M. Bounds wrote this, no principle is more definitely enforced by Christ than that of prevailing prayer uh, that must have in its quality which waits and perseveres the courage that never surrenders the patience which never grows tired the resolution that never wavers and Pastor Cho writes some prayers require a great deal of repetition for there to be a response now that doesn't mean that you repeat the prayer 50 times in one prayer session but it means you might pray 50 days or 50 weeks And whether because of spiritual opposition or some other reason, we're told to keep on praying. Never give up praying for a need. And then Dr. Cho writes, what would have happened if Daniel had given up after only five or 10 days? Remember, Daniel prayed and fasted 21 days and then the angel Gabriel came and uh, gave him the answer. Remember that God is faithful. He will hear your prayers. He will answer as you pray and faint not. And then he, he writes, allow the balance sheet of prayer to be heavily in your favor. So Pastor Cho has this mentality that uh, God keeps a record of your prayers just like a, a banker would keep a ledger of your deposits or an accountant would uh, keep your deposits straight. And so uh, Daniel's prayers were like going on deposit every day that he prayed and so he writes allow the balance sheet of prayer to be heavily in your favor now that's a that's a great concept to think uh because if you if you think well i prayed yesterday and the answer didn't come so maybe i should just give up but if you think instead i'm going to keep making deposits in prayer i'm going to persist in prayer jesus told me to be persistent and i don't know why there might be a great satanic battle that uh, is even hindering the angel to come but uh uh, I'm am I'm gonna put another deposit in in the prayer account. I'm gonna fill that up. I'm gonna make that balance sheet uh, be heavily in my favor. And so, Pastor Cho writes, there was a lady in our church who had a daughter who was not living the Christian life, and it seemed that the more she prayed, the more her daughter would follow her worldly friends. And then she heard me speak on this subject. The mother began to pray faithfully for her daughter and did not get discouraged because of the worsening circumstances. One day as she prayed, she knew in her heart she'd banked enough prayers to take care of the need. She had a witness in her inner being that God had done the work. Within a few days, the daughter came to church and gave her life to the Lord. That's page 67 from the book Prayer. Now, I remember reading about George Mueller, a great uh, man of prayer who ran a huge orphanage of 2,000 orphans and never used promotional means to raise the money. He only prayed and God brought in the money, and he did that to demonstrate that God answers prayer. But he prayed for one man for 60 years that that man would be saved, and then George Mueller died, and the man still wasn't saved, but he got saved after George Mueller went to heaven. persistent prayer is not the same as vain repetitions. God doesn't want us to give vain repetitions, but he does want us to pray until the answer comes. Now in Luke 11, Jesus again uh, gives us some instruction on persevering. He said, imagine what would happen if you were to go out one, uh, to one of your friends in the middle of the night and pound on his door and shout, please, do you have some food you can spare? A friend just arrived at my house unexpectedly, and I have nothing to serve him. But your friend says, why are you bothering me? The door is locked, and my family and I are all in bed. Do you expect me to get up and give you our food? But listen, because of your shameless impotence, even though it's the middle of the night, your friend will get up out of his bed and give you all that you need. So it is with your prayers. Ask, and you'll receive. Seek, and you'll discover. Knock on heaven's door, and it will be open to you. Every persistent person will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he needs. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. Luke 11, 8 through 10, the Passion Translation. That's a great... Uh, Translation, by the way, I'm certainly enjoying it. Now in my own life, certain prayers seem almost painful to pray because like the woman watching her daughter grow worse, the circumstances seem to get worse sometimes in spite of our prayers. And then the devil twists the the verses about not praying with vain repetitions and makes it seem like unbelief if we if we keep on asking repeatedly for the same thing but friend listen to this if it's a good thing then never give up if it's a good thing then never give up now if you're asking God to kill somebody uh, you better give that up (laughs) but if you're asking God to save somebody and reveal himself to somebody and change their character and lead them into all truth and fill them with his love to overflowing and fill them with the revelation of his will that's a good thing So never, never, never give up. Now, after teaching about knocking on the friend's door persistently, in the same portion of scripture, Jesus said, let me ask you this. Do you know of any father who would give his son a snake on a plate when he asked for a serving of fish? Of course not. Do you know of any father who would give his daughter a spider when she had asked for an egg? Of course not. If imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, how much more will the perfect Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask him? And then in Matthew's Gospel, it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in his heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, are you asking for something that is Good. Well, if it's good, then ask with a persistence. Now, maybe you're praying for grandchildren, and maybe the grandchildren are off in the world. The world is so influential to destroy our children, and we've got to really pray with persistence. But then you ask yourself, is this a good thing? Well, Jesus said God will give good gifts to those who ask him, and Jesus told us to ask persistently and gave us the example of the woman who pestering the unjust judge and the man who needed uh, food from his friend in the middle of the night and so i'm going to pray that way now in my prayer life that needed to be remodeled i needed to to understand that and the, the little uh uh, Pastor Cho's teaching that it's like you're making a deposit with every prayer. you're, you're building up an account and uh, that account gets up to a certain point and then it's answered. That's a great uh, mental concept to have. Now my seventh point is remodel your prayer life with the power that comes from fasting and meditation on God's Word, two different ways to get power. Jesus wants us to fast. He said in Matthew 6, when you fast, not if you fast. Fasting adds power to prayer in mysterious ways, and perhaps nothing shows more spiritual violence than adding fasting to your prayers. Now, let me ask you this. Do you know how your television works? You say, well, no, but you know how to turn it on. Now, do you know how your car engine works? Probably not, but you know how to turn the key. Or push the button, if it's a more modern car, and have your car come on. Now, you don't wait until you understand all the reasons that fasting works to enhance your prayers. Just uh, turn it on, (laughs) or you'll miss out, you see. So, a lot of times we're thinking, uh, well, I would fast if I could understand why it would help any, but uh, I'm hungry, and I don't understand, so I'll fast some other day. And then we don't turn it on. Now, I'm telling you, you don't have to understand all the reasons that it works so great. Just start using it. Well, if someone says, why do you believe in fasting and prayer? You could give them an intellectual answer, or you could just say, because it works. Now, Dr. Cho writes, fasting combined with prayer not only brings clarity of mind and spirit, it enables us to better hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and to be sensitive to his leading. It is also important for gaining spiritual and material victories. And then he adds this. He says, the desire for food is basic to all living creatures. It's one of the strongest motivational forces at work in the body even before birth. Babies are born with the natural instinct to reach out for the mother's breast. If we can combine this intense natural desire with our natural spiritual desire for communion with our spiritual source, then what results is a much greater intensity. And this is the purpose of prayer and fasting. By combining our natural and spiritual desires, we can present our petitions before the throne of God with such sincerity, intensity, and urgency that he will hear and answer. Therefore, the stronger the desire, the more effective the prayer. Now, that really helped me. That really helped me to to say that uh, the desire for food, if you combine that with your desire for answered prayer, give up the food, and now you have this intense, you're saying, I really, really, really desire this answer to prayer. That's why I'm not only praying, I'm fasting, that it makes the prayer far more effective. Now, the Bible says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart, Psalms 37, 4, but we can make our desires more intense. Now, we can also power up our prayers as we meditate on the Word of God, and I've been doing that uh, in the mornings when I get up and have the coffee there. I could just start praying immediately, but I've, I've been just sitting down. I've had that Passion Bible. It's a really new, good translation. And I've been going through that and then writing down different things I see and different promises. And then pretty soon I feel like praying. And, uh, you know, you just find beautiful verses, beautiful things that give you faith. And so then when you do pray, your prayers are more powerful. For instance, this verse in Isaiah It says the ESV translation, for I will pour water on thirsty land and streams on dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Now, wouldn't you like God to pour his spirit on your children and his blessings on your grandchildren? Of course you would. But how do you get a powerful prayer like that? Well, when you see a verse like that, you say, God, you promised That you would do this so lord i ask you in the name of jesus and then you see this is the revealed will of god now you mix incense with it and then the angel offers that uh, before the throne you you mix your prayers with this incense of the revealed will of god and the angel offers those before the throne that's revelation 8 and then lightnings and earthquakes and (laughs) all kinds of powerful demonstrations come as god responds To our believing prayer. So remind God of this promise as you pray for your children and grandchildren, if you have grandchildren. And uh, perhaps some have strayed, so perhaps you need to persevere in prayer. But having a promise like this lets you know it's a good thing that you're asking for, and therefore persisting in prayer for this is just what God would like you to do. So pray with confidence that every prayer is a deposit towards the miraculous answer and keep making those prayer deposits. Now, as you get up early, have a pad and pen ready. Read your Bible and record verses that give you faith. George Mueller used to read an hour on his knees before he started praying. So that way, he always prayed with a fresh revelation of God's will. The Bible says, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests we have asked of him. Well, my friend, my prayer for you is that you'll actually remodel your prayer life with these truths. I've, I've remodeled mine. And uh, wow, it! I have a whole new optimism, whole new hope, whole new joy getting up in the morning, and uh, I hope that you will remodel your prayer life. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for all your wonderful promises that you'll hear and answer our prayer. Help us to have that spiritual violence to possess the fullness of your kingdom. Help us to pray with persistence. Help us to meditate on your word so we pray with faith. Help us to go looking for the miracle and believe that you've sent it. Help us to be very specific, to sharpen our knife, as it were, sharpen our our prayer so that it's very specific. And then, Lord, help us to prioritize prayer as the greatest thing, our greatest time in life so that we go to bed early and get up early and have that wonderful, wonderful times with you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. I love each one of you. If you would like to partner with us at Encouragement Expert, please email us at pastorbacker at gmail.com. Or you can write P.O. Box 485, Crestwell, Oregon 97426.